It is time for another edition of By All Means right here on Western Reserve Radio, Season 2, Episode 37, presented by Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org as Tim breaks the equipment in the studio <laughs> before we can even start talking. Find us on Facebook, Western Reserve Radio. Jim, you saw nothing. Just stay over there. Western Reserve Radio at WR underscore radio, the live 365 app, or tune in or just go to westernreserveradio.com. The whole crew is here for today's edition of By All Means as we talk high school football. Uh, Coach, what did you think? We are one week into the new playoffs. We, uh, You did two games. You did one with me on Friday. Uh, you did one with Jim on Saturday, and we saw one Number 16 seed lose in round one. Um, yeah, I just, uh, again, I don't care for the way they have it set up. I don't like it. Um, it's proved nothing. Um, I think there was, you said, one 16 seed. One, yeah. Yeah, it's just, it. it's a moneymaker, and I don't like it, and I don't care for it, and there are teams that are getting beat up that have already been beat up in the season. Why do it again? But you know what, like, and I obviously was only at one game, but... From talking to people, the crowds weren't that good. And I don't know if that was, you know, it was a rainy, kind of a miserable day in Northeast Ohio. The matchups weren't very great. And people thought that, you know, the games were going to be blowouts, which a lot of them were. Or, you know, not everybody has Internet access to be able to get tickets that wants to. And I know some athletic directors, and kudos to them, you know, did different things so their community could still get tickets and go to the game. But or is it, Tim, is it just a combination of all of those things? It's a combination of all those. I think more than anything, though, it is I think most sports fans recognize mismatches. And quite honest with you, if you're going to pay $10 for a ticket, other than if it's your high school and you follow it every game, no matter who they play, the average sports fan who maybe just likes to go to a high school football game is going to choose probably to sit out that week and not go. And... You know, in our area, and, and you know many people like this, I know many people like this, who flat out will pick three or four schools in the first week and say, these are the schools we're going to follow on Friday and on Saturday. And they'll go both days. And then as far as they go, and then they'll pick up another team if there's someone else available in round two, three, or four. I've already talked with people about going to see South Range Kirtland. And that's, you know, that's weeks from now. Right. As well, long yeah. as, of course, we're not still covering games, which, by the way, a little little bit of change in the schedule uh, unfortunately there was not enough room at in the press box at Canfield for us to do the Canfield Hubbard game uh, so coach and I have as everybody loves the word this this is like the word of 2020 2021 we have pivoted to another game and uh, we will have Poland and West Branch coming up on Friday night uh, on Western Reserve Radio and on Sports Radio at 1240. Poland is 8-3. and three. West Branch is 11-0. and 0. We'll break that game down coming up here in a little bit. Saturday night, Western Reserve Radio, 1240, a revenge game for Creston Norway. They get a chance to see if they can uh, beat Poland this time as they will match up on a Saturday night. Norway is 8-3. and three. Springfield is 10-1. and one. Jim and Bob. Bob will have that game. Guys, let's jump right in with the matchups coming up this week. Division 2, Region Region 5 on Friday night. Austintown Fitch beat Warren Harding last week. Uh, they get the opportunity to play uh, Archbishop Hoban on the road. I'm sure if you've ever gone down 76, you know right where the field is at Hoban. And uh, Fitch has had a lot of success recently against Hoban. 
I'm not sure if that continues. They've got a lot of skill on that Fitch football team. It's going to be a tough, uh, tough hill to climb for them, though. Uh, you know what? I think they're two quality schools. I just, you know what? I, the running game. I just, uh, I'm suspect with Fitch. Um, I think everything is is on the quarterback. He's a, he's a good, strong runner, thrower, but it, I, they really have to be consistent because we know what Hoban can do. I mean, they're in it a year in, year out, and they're they're a strong, big school. And. A lot of things, Hoban is kind of down. I hate using that terminology. We were talking about a perennial state champion like Hoban has been. Um, however, I think Canfield would have to play a perfect game on the road, and that's going to be difficult. That means not turning over the ball. That means making the extra first downs on the third and long type scenarios, keeping drives alive, and scoring touchdowns. And I think that's going to be key. So many times we've seen teams who move the ball, but once they get about to the 35-yard line, it's difficult. The, the fields, you know, get smaller, and they don't necessarily are successful. Against a team like Hoban, it's going to be necessary. The winner of that Fitch and Hoban game will play the winner of Willoughby South and uh, Macedonia Nordonia in the third round as we get to neutral sites. Division 3, Region 9, uh, the game we kind of all anticipated happening. Hubbard and Canfield will meet on Friday night at Canfield in the 4-5 matchup. And uh, the last time they played, which really has no bearing on it, it's been so long, the last time those two played, both of those schools' kids are out of college. The last time they played was 2014 when Hubbard beat them 40-14. to That has no bearing on it. It was just the last time they played, and I, I, I spent the time to do the research, and damn it, I'm going to tell you when it happened. <laughs> so that has nothing to do with this matchup. No. Haven't seen Canfield in person. Have uh, watched a lot of highlights. Their quarterback is an incredible dual threat. Uh, he already has a offer to Iowa State in the Big 12, which speaks a lot for that. Uh, that is a very skilled Canfield football team that uh, can do a lot of things on both phases of the football field. Coach, you and I saw Hubbard air it out on Friday. They threw it nine times uh, in that game against uh, New Philly on Friday night. Uh, Bates completed six of those nine throws. What I saw was they toyed with them. I really think that they looked at that. They knew that they were big and strong. They they knew that they could run the ball on them. And I really think that they went out there to see if they could throw against them. And I think that's what you saw in the uh, first half. Second half, they fed the ball. And we know what happened. We were there, and he's just, he's an amazing runner. Nobody could get a straight hit on him. He spins, he does everything that he needs to do. But you're going to go in here and play a Canfield team that their defense just brings it. So I think Mr. Caffey's going to get a little bit banged up in this game. Don't, you know, I'm just thinking that. You don't mean injured, you mean no, they're no. going to control yeah, him. They're going to control him. That's, yeah, no injury. I would never, I, I don't care if you're my worst enemy, I would never want anybody to get hurt. And these are kids. But I, I really think that, that uh, Canfield's going to take him to the woodshed. That's my opinion. They're going to shut him down. Yeah, I like Canfield in this game, too, simply because they're just a more rounded team. They can both run and throw the ball. They have a quarterback you want the ball in his hands making decisions. Uh, nothing against Bates, but he's a limited quarterback. Well, he's meaning, only played quarterback in a game and a half. That's my whole point. He's huh. very limited at the position. He's an athlete who can play it, and he does bring an actual dynamic dimension that they need however 
I wonder if changing quarterbacks this late in the season is actually a good thing for this uh, Hubbard team. You may want to hold on to your chair. Are you ready, Coach? Oh, here we go. You said something great last Friday when you said South Range and Coach Yeagley gave everybody else the blueprint on how to beat Hubbard. Absolutely, 100%. Um, <clears throat> what they did was, is again, I, I spoke of it. They brought their um, four linebackers. They brought them up. And when Mr. Caffey went left, uh, the Mike linebacker, because basically he had a, actually a strong side and a weak side, so if he went to the strong side, the inside backer went with him. And then what they did was they corralled him from the outside because that outside backer shot and, and sealed him up. He couldn't get around the edge. He had to run inside, and it was just too strong on the inside. And I think the way they game planned, well, I mean, he had, what, 78 yards, 87? Not even, like 67. Okay. I knew there was a seven in there. And here's the thing about it, too. And, you know, from two guys, I didn't play. I never played it down to football. I don't know if you did, Tim. Limited. Okay. So when we watched that game, you were able to see the fact that with the way Hubbard lined up, especially second half, us guys that have just announced a bunch of games, you could tell the strength of the formation and where they were going to run the football. I mean, it was almost as if they were saying, we're going to give the ball to Caffey. We're running that way. And based on that, I saw Coach Hoffman make a lot of changes. There was uh, – they, they threw a screen to Caffey. They split Caffey out as a wide receiver. They put him at a wing. They ran counter. So even if the play was designed to look like it was going to go left, they ran back right. And, you know, I, I think they learned a lot about themselves after watching the South Range film. Yeah, and they had to. They have to make adjustments. If you don't make adjustments, then you're putting yourself, you know, deeper in a hole to try to climb out of. I honestly think that's just good coaching, understanding some of your weaknesses and trying to find new ways to invent your players to be successful. What Coach said, though, about the edges is so true. I mean, we watched Hubbard a lot this year. They were able to get to the edge and turn it upfield so much, but South Range took that away from them. We'll see what can can do. I mean, what I was so impressed about South Range that night, and I talked about it with you, Mark, is it wasn't one or two players. It was four or five players always around the ball. And that, you know, and sometimes it was seven or eight. So I think if Canfield can duplicate that, they can hold, they can take Caffey away from them and force them to be a team that they're not. Well, and then here's the question. If you are, if you're adjusting your scheme, you're, you're taking those two outside backers and you're basically bringing them up as extra rush ends. If you're strengthening your, your defense at one spot, you're weakening it, weakening it in another. If you're Hubbard and you can, how do you attack that defense if they're bringing backers up? Well, the problem's going to be is, is uh, it, when they do that, they're going to bring their corners up and they're going to play them tough. And what that's going to do is, is that's going to give that front offense or defensive line to be able to put pressure on them. They're not going to be able to release, and because he's young and he, you know, he's been playing quarterback for a game and whatever a half. I don't think the timing's going to be there. So that once that throws the timing off, they're done because that defense is going to take it to them. I mean, because it's really accomplishing two things. It's if you're running the football, it, it, it's giving you a, you know a, a six man front. But if you're throwing the ball, it's giving you a six man front to go attack the quarterback. Mm -hmm. So, I, I mean, I wonder if, and we saw it a little bit 
uh, for Hubbard in the in the game on Friday where the tight ends were a lot of targets when they threw the football. I wonder if that has to be, you know, quick hits to the tight end because you're not going to really have time to throw the ball downfield. Yeah, and that's going to be on the inside backers is where that's going to be. Now, they'll play a – I'm sure they'll play a two-high or one-high safety and roll to the strength, so that's what they're going to do. So those backers got to be disciplined on the inside. The front people got to stay in their lanes because – at, at any point in time, you give him an alley, he's going to hit it. He does not like to get hit. Now, I'm not saying he well, doesn't does? get it, but uh, but the key is you can never get a good shot on this kid. Although a couple of times he got hit straight on and he went right down. His thing is, is I can outstep you. I could juke you. I spin move. And that's okay. That's his forte. I mean, 20... 500 yards? Yeah, almost 2,500 yards and what is it, 37 <clears throat> touchdowns, touchdowns now. now. He okay. had four on Friday. Yeah. Well, you know what? I think what you may see, and I, I think maybe the best thing that happened to Hubbard is if Wilcox can get loose and, and become that secondary receiver or runner that when they're keen on Caffey that they're going to be able to get the ball out in the flat to him, maybe one-on-one situations, and see if he can make a, a play. Because when we watched him a few times, when they got him on the edges or when they got the ball to him in, in a quick slant or a quick pass on the line, he was able to get yardage. He's and I think the fastest be- player they've got. Yeah, you just got to you, – you have multiple players that have the ability to do something. Let them key on Caffey and, and open up the offense for the other players to be successful. That's, and you know, I think, it's going to be key for them. I don't know the exact number, but I know he had, I think, four rushes against South Range. And the game got out of hand. They had an attempt to right. throw the football. I believe he only had maybe three or four touches on Friday against New Philly. He hasn't really been – Part no. of the offense the last couple of weeks. No, he hasn't. And I think that's something they have to concentrate in making him part of the offense. And any of it's quote unquote, as they say, design a play for him. But more than anything, put him in positions where he can be effective and open or to get him maybe use Caffey and, and do a, a reverse handoff to him in a sense. Get the ball outside and to the edges and see what he can do, Bob. Well, the other thing, too, is is they need to quick screen these guys. Um, get them out, um, <clears throat> get them on the edge, quick screen them. So if they're playing tough up on the receivers, then what you got to do is is then they got to get those receivers got to stock block with those two guys with their speed. I think they can get free, cut inside, cut outside, do what they need to do. And I, I really think that is a that's that could be a part of a game plan, because uh, as you as you said, I would use Caffey as I'm going to run him. But I'm going to use him as a decoy. I was thinking the same thing. You know, he's going to get his he's going to get his touches and stuff. But bait him, bait him, have them come up, and then now you you get the ball to, uh, to the other guys running, throwing, whatever you got to do. You know, Hubbard's been really good at using the tight ends in motions. What I would ask is, would they use Caffey more in motion and try to move linebackers and that outside to yep. to create better mismatches? The winner of this game gets the mat the eight one matchup between. Streetsboro and Chardon. Streetsboro is eight and two. Chardon is eleven and one. So that is uh, Division two and Division three. 
as uh, we have three local teams, one in Division Two, two in Division Three, still playing. When we come back, we look at four through seven uh, and their matchups that are coming up as well. Don't forget our feature game Friday night is Poland and West Branch here on Western Reserve Radio and on Sports Radio 1240. Saturday, it's Creston, Norway, and Springfield. And we will have a little bit more of By All Means coming up right after this. Mill Creek Golf Course is now open. Experience the Donald Ross Championship design of both courses where you can book a tee time online at millcreekmetroparks.org. Mill Creek features a newly remodeled golf shop, new cart paths, and is a Callaway certified club fitting facility with demo days. The PGA professional staff is now accepting golf outings and leads. For more information, call 330-740-7112 or stop by and see what all Mill Creek Golf Course has to offer you. Back here on By All Means, we jump back in with our playoff preview show. We go to Division 4, Region 13th. And the game we will have coming up on a Friday night, Coach and I will head to Beloit for West Branch and Salem. Excuse me, West Branch and Poland. Too many schools on one <laughs> sheet of paper. Poland is 8-3. and three. West Branch is 11-0. and oh. I was uh, you know diving into their offense today, guys. They have a quarterback. Who's thrown for 2,900 yards, this being West Branch, 33 touchdowns, three interceptions. They have a 1,000-yard receiver. They have an 1,100-yard rusher. He's basically a fullback in their offense because they run a four-wide receiver set with one back in, in the backfield. They average 51 points per game. They're yeah. going to t- a Poland team that's 8-3. and three. And we all know the team is, you know, Poland has lost two this year. They lost to Canfield in week one. They lost to Hubbard. They lost to Southridge. All three very good football teams. Based on, Tim, you and I seeing Poland play Howland, I have not seen West Branch. But I look at the physicality of Poland, and I wonder if that's going to be a problem for West Branch on Friday. I'm not sure. I think that... Spread offense is going to be really interesting to watch and to see how they defense handles that for uh, Poland because they're going to have a lot of speed going out and they're going to use a lot of screens and they're going to throw one-on-one. They're going to look for the best one-on-one matchups and try to attack it. And I think that's really what their offense has always been about. I'm talking about West Branch. And if they're successful doing that, I think, on any given play, they have a chance to go for 40, 50 type yards. And you know what? Here's the thing that I think is interesting. Can Poland match up with the spread is the question defensively. Well, can West Branch defensively match up with the power of Poland? That's the, that's the biggest question of this game. Right. I mean, it's kind of like in the years past when Poland used to f- would end up playing Perry because Perry's built the same way. I mean, it's, it's a spread offense. They do run the ball a little bit better at Perry than they do at West Branch. But I think it's going to give you an idea if Poland does is successful and ends up playing Perry in the future that like they have in the past, it will be interesting. Or the matchup of, of West Branch – you know, when they have that, uh, if they advance. But I like OSP's offense. I just think it has a chance to outscore you. You know, they scored a lot of points, and they've got they got a lot of wins. But, see, I question, this is what I question, is um, strength of schedule. 
there's why I get a little worried because they really haven't played anybody with some big, strong, fast that can get after it. So now they're going in, and of all people, Poland. Now that front line of Poland's going to get after it. The linebackers are pretty good too. Um, so I got to think that the DBs um, will be out there to shut them down. Um, again, they're going to probably go uh, uh, combo. Um, too deep. They're going to do what they need to do. Maybe rotate a little bit if somebody's hurting them. The only, again, not taking their, their West Branch numbers are amazing, but out of all the teams, what is actually the teams that they played, what is their win loss record compared to the other teams? You know, right. looking at teams that they played with a winning record, they, uh, Peninsula Woodridge, they beat them 48 24. They were 6 and 5. Uh, they beat Carrollton forty-three to twelve. Carrollton was eight and three. And they beat Salem forty-three forty-two in overtime. Salem was eight and three. That's a one of the you know biggest rivalries in the valley. They struggled with two and eight Howland at home and beat them by by three thirty-seven thirty-four. And you know, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was say they go. got Kent South too. They. Had a good record again. Oh yeah, Kent South was seven and four before right. getting eliminated this past week. Right. So I just don't think you know the wins and losses. Yeah, you're looking at that, but I don't think the straight the schedule is there. The, the ones that played them tough, you're Salem. They're in the playoffs. So I, I, it's just I, I don't know. I, I I really think Poland can handle them. I, I could be dead wrong. I mean, they may go in there and throw all over them, run all over them. We were just you know I'm looking at player per player, and you know it's is hard. This- a typical classic matchup in a sense uh, of Coach Pav, you know, being who he is, we know he's going to be up front, have his, his offensive line ready to play, but it'll be in the eye, he'll be running the ball primar- primarily, we'll be looking for opportunities to throw on certain downs, but not necessarily throw every down like they would we're going to be facing against. I think it's just a classic matchup of against a spread offense type team that's built around the offense versus a team that's usually built around defense and running the ball. Well, well that you made a good point. See, and of course, everybody knows I love the eye, and that's what I ran. I ran eye, and then I ran spread. But you go in there and pound this team up front and start pounding, pounding, pounding. You know what? It, it could be a long day for them because these big boys are going to lean on those guys. I don't know their size. I don't know their you know what they have. Poland's big. Poland's well, I know Poland's big, big yeah. but I'm talking. I'm you uh, know I'm West talking Branch. about West Branch. Yeah. You know how big and strong are those guys? Are they just athletic? Now the winner of that game gets the winner of Gerard and Perry. Uh, Gerard is seven and four. Perry is nine and two. We all know, you know, Perry's a traditionally very good football team. How about the losses for the uh, Perry Pirates this year? They lost 18-13 to Kenston, who's 10-1. and And they lost 30-6 to Kirtland, who's 10-0. Other than that, they've rolled their way through. And, I mean, they have I'm trying to see the teams. They've only played... Two well, two other teams in the regular season with winning records, and that was Painesville Riverside was seven and four, and West G was also seven and four, who they beat twenty eight to seven. So, a team like Perry, we know they've been there and done that before, but they're kind of hard to gauge because the teams they beat, they were they, they were supposed to beat, they did. The teams they weren't supposed to beat, they didn't. So you don't really know. I mean, I think Perry is the favorite against Gerard, but I don't. I'm not sure by how much. Perry's the type of team that is just a perfect program 
for where they're located and the teams that they have regionally to play each year. I mean, they're always going to be seven, eight, nine, ten win type team. So you're right. It's kind of tough to, to gauge. But you look at what they've done, and I can only go by what I when the times in the past when I've seen them, is they're a really well-coached team, and they're a well-balanced team. And that, to me, really gives them the edge in most games in the playoffs. Uh, we've seen them play Poland, and then we've seen them beat Poland, and we've seen them lose to Poland, I believe, over the years. So uh, I think Gerard's it's going to be an uphill battle for them at Perry. I just think it's going to be tough. How difficult will it be for Perry and a team like West Branch that likes to spread it out, knowing it's going to be cold Friday? There's not going to be much precipitation, but it's going to be in the you know mid to low 30s by the end of the game. And West Branch is on natural turf, from what I understand. I, That's think- a grass. Yes. That's grass. Right. Yeah, grass. Not, yeah natural turf grass yeah there you go (laughs) anyway yeah brain fart and it will be by the way i saw this uh i saw dan abolish tweet this today full credit to him it'll be the first time poland plays on grass this season i don't think that's again i just it's gonna be sloppy because they played last week there's only so much you're gonna be able to do put sand down and whatever so it's gonna be loose so there's where you know it could be muddy the passing game could be affected because the hands we saw it last week with some drop balls and with stuff. But um, I, I still really, uh, I mean, I don't know. I, I really think uh, Perry's going to do well. And I just don't know if Gerard has it. I just, I don't. They found their quarterback late in the year. We saw him play against Hubbard, and he's a, he's a nice dual threat, but they didn't have much in the straight running game. Yeah, it's it's a good Indians team. It's it's a team that I think improved throughout the season. You love that, where you start the season in August, and now that you're in November, you're seeing a team that continues to improve. Maybe the win-loss record doesn't look fantastic, but you see the improvement of what they want to do each week. And I think that's where they're at. I think they're just running into a program that, like I said, is so well-balanced, both offensively, defense, special teams. And if turnovers matter... I like Perry because Perry is just so fundamentally good. Other side of the bracket, it's the 3-6 matchup between Ursuline and Salem. Ursuline is 7-3. and Salem is 8-3. and And the winner of that game will get Glenville, the winner of Glenville and Cleveland Villa, Angeles St. Joe. And if you look at it, you want to include West Branch. You've got one, two, three. You've got five teams from our area in Region 13 playing in Round 2 a good chance to get at least one of them, if not two, to the regional final. Oh, there's no question. And I love what Ursula's done this year. They they really haven't avoided anybody in their schedule. Uh, they've played, you know, they've put themselves in precarious situations, winning a few games by only one point, uh, where their offense really had to do their job. The question is, sometimes, and, and this, this is maybe the biggest criticism I hear from, people who follow Ursuline and just talk. Sometimes they get too cute this time of the year. They try to do too many trick plays, too many, uh, what you know, trying to, to catch someone. I'm going to outcoach you on this one play type thing versus just lining up and playing football. And I think if Ursuline does what they do best and just play football and let the quarterback really run that offense, and he's, he's a fantastic athlete. I mean, he's going to play baseball at the next level. And – uh, he's been a two-year starter at quarterback. I really think they have a chance to do yeah, well. You know what I think with the difference is the defense is going to have determine how far they go. 
But when they, when it comes right down to it, all they got to do is hand the ball to McElroy and let yeah. him go to work with that big offensive line. Because that's where I think Shannon's a fantastic quarterback, and we've only got about a minute till break. But how McElroy runs the football, I think, is going to determine how far the Irish go. Yeah. Strong runner, just like his dad. I coached him in the uh, younger grades than as a uh, an adult. So I just think Ursuline, as I said before, speed kills. So it will be a exciting couple of matchups in Division Four, Region Thirteen. When we come back, we still have five, six, and seven to get through here uh, in the last segment plus of the show. And again, we've got some big games coming up this weekend: Poland and West Branch Friday night, Norway and Springfield on Saturday. Both games start at six forty with the pregame, seven o'clock with the kickoff here on Western Reserve Radio One and Two, and of course our broadcast partners over at Sports Radio 1240. We'll take a break. We'll come back, and we will continue on this Tuesday evening edition of By All Means. Welcome back. It is By All Means here on Western Reserve Radio, brought to you by Mill Creek Golf Course. Mark Means, we got the coach Bob Gessler, Jim Craven, Tim Cotton, and we're all in the building talking high school football, guys. Division 5, Region 17. Uh, Garrettsville Garfield, you know, they're they're kind of they're in our area. They play a lot of our local schools. The G-Men have had a fantastic year this year. They have wins over teams like LeBray and, and Warren John F. Kennedy this year. The G-Men in the 4-5 matchup that shows you just how good this region is that an undefeated Garfield team is the four seed because you've got Garraway 11-0 the three Canfield 11-0 the two Kirtland the nation's longest winning streak is the number one seed so Garrettsville Garfield has Bel Air this week at home and should they be fortunate enough to get through Garfield? Oh, yeah, they got Kirtland looming in the wings. And the way this bracket set up good for Southridge, which we'll get to their game in a minute, Southridge can't face Kirtland until the regional final. Right. It's, I mean, being a number two seed and Kirtland being a number one opposite brackets, perfect scenario for the Raiders. And when you look at what the – no matter what Garfield does this week, I mean, what an amazing season they have had. And we'll see. I mean, Bel Air traditionally is a pretty good team. They are. And, uh, you know, the Big Red is someone you always have to pay attention to. So uh, being in Garfield, I, I, I want to say I want to give the G-Men the, the fighting chance. Now, I look, Coach, I look at this South Range Crestwood game. South Range is 11-0. Crestwood is 7-3. and And this could be... This could be one of the running clock games in round two because this is a matchup that uh, did favor Southrange, I think, greatly. Yeah, we saw them against Springfield, and uh, I'll tell you what, first game of the season, and I made that, I talked to Jim about it, I said they looked like they were in their fifth game of the season. That's how sharp they looked. Everything they did was was priceless. I mean, I watched the linemen's feet, the blocking, the hands engaging, um, and they're only going to get better and better. The only thing I don't know is is if there's any injuries, but other than that, I mean, it's going to be a tough one to beat, and if they do end up playing Kirtland, holy mackerel, that place will be 
swamped with people. And if uh, if South Range wins, they get the winner of Ravenna Southeast and Sugar Creek Garraway. So they would have another undefeated team they would have to get through before Kirtland. But knowing Coach Coach Yakely like we do, Tim, his his team and his focus is on Crestwood. Then it would be on Garraway. Then it would be on Kirtland. Well, I mean that's just a veteran of twenty some years as a head coach. You don't you don't look too far ahead. You, you pay attention to the, to the challenge in front of you. However, uh, they're set up well. I mean, let's, be, let's be honest. This is uh, probably the most complete team you and I seen this year. There's no question in my mind when I watched that game, the way they floated the ball defensively, the way that offense just was completely dominating and, and doing whatever they want against uh, Hubbard that night. And more than anything is what I love about Coach Yeagley is he he thinks ahead. You know, like the first game, first play against Hubbard was a flea flicker. Mm-hmm. I mean, you just don't see that very often. But the reason he did that is now you got everybody on edge, and now you kind what of are they going to do next? Yes, and now you're thinking, all right, I've seen this formation, but are they actually going to run a trick play or a regular play? I know we're, it's down the road in our conversation, but that's what that's what uh, I think Springfield does because the, everybody knows they've got so many creative trick plays in the bag. And of course, when we get to that conversation with Springfield and Norway, trick plays can win games when called at the right time and executed. Absolutely. And I'll tell you what, you'd be surprised how many announcers are going, he's hit when he's running down the field. <laughs> oh, that, that, no, that don't happen. <laughs> no, never. <laughs> so Division 6 re- Region 21, a rematch between Brookfield and LeBray and the uh, the 9-1 matchup. Brookfield was one of the the few you know lower-seeded teams of the tournament that won last week, beating United last week. So Brookfield-LeBray will happen for round two. That first matchup was played at Brookfield. This one, excuse me, was played at LeBray. This one will be played at LeBray. LeBray won that matchup back in the first week of October, 28 to nothing. Well, John Armini, go ahead and say it. He played for coach uh, back in the day at Volney, and he does a good job. I, I, I noticed that he does a lot of a few things, a few things that we that he learned at Cheney High School. Um, I think Brookfield could give them a little bit of a game if they don't come out and if they make mistakes. Brookfield could hang with them. Otherwise, I I just don't see them running with I, I like the coaching matchup here. Coach Armini, Coach Clark, two veterans that have been around the block and have seen a lot of things. And you know, maybe Coach Clark goes to the bag of tricks in, in a game like this, knowing you didn't put any points up in the in the first meeting. In the playoffs, in the, you know, the regular season, completely two different animals, but you got to do something to get the offense flowing. And I think what really comes down to is special teams and turnovers. If if you can pull off a big punt return, if you can pull off a, a kickoff that takes you across the 50 and gives you a short field, that really changes the attitude and, and the belief in a team. So I think for Brookfield, they're going to need a lot of Pistons firing you know, on defense to try to create turnovers and be special teams. Take advantage of, uh, of a punt. Maybe, maybe they get lucky and they get a punt that is short around the 45, 40, 50 yard line, and they're able to return it, you know, 55, 60 yards for a touchdown. I think that really is going to be really key for them because uh, LeBray's just, they, they've been they have been good all year. I mean, yeah, you look at LeBray and, you know, they have a win over Valley Christian, who's seven and three. They have a win over Keystone, who's 
nine and one. They lost to Garfield. Uh, they have a win over Brookfield at seven and three. So they've played some good football teams and put some wins up this year. And I mean, you, you look at I mean Columbia Station and Springfield and, and Mogador. No, the number one seed in this region is the LeBray Vikings. Yeah, uh, very disciplined. John keeps his guys very, very disciplined. He does a great job. And that's going to be an exciting game. I can't, the, the, of course, the, uh, there's a few in there that I want to see matched up, and I think they're going to hit head on. And you, know, you look at the other teams in this region, 21, and you talk about it from a Springfield perspective. They've got Creston Norwayne, who they beat by four at the very end of the game last year. And then the other teams, you know, of the four other teams left to talk about, they've seen Mogador in the last two years in the playoffs. They've seen Columbia Station in the playoffs before the last couple of years. They've definitely seen Black River the last couple of years. So these are the same teams year in and year out that know each other very well. And, you know, uh, Bob and I were talking about it. Is there any motivation for the way you lost last year or last year is last year and you're, you're focused about, you know, 2021? Oh, I think it gets talked about all day long. But is it week. talked about by you and me? No, oh, no, I'm, I'm talking about the, the coaching room. staff. I'm talking about the coaching staff this week because you got juniors and you got you got sophomores that were last year's team that are part, you know, big part of this year's team. So you're you're talking about you remember how you felt. You remember what you wanted to do. You know what we failed to do last year that we're going to do right this time. You're going to use all those motivations. So and you, I think there's no question. You're, I would be shocked if, if they really choose did not talk about what transpired or even had that on their bulletin board all year long. This is the matchup we want. This is what we can't wait to have. But using it as a way of saying, you know, we let a play like that beat us at the end of the game because let's face it that play and I've seen the video from last year you and Jim were there to, to call it coach that play took a long time to develop and they were still able to pull it off well and win that game. Yeah, I, I tell you what, um, South Range is, uh, excuse me, <laughs> South Range. We talked about a lot of football yeah, games tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Springfield, uh, you know, you got Brungard, who's a very smart. You got his dad up in a box. Um, we thought we'd lose a little bit on the front line. They did it first. They did They did not look good up front um, uh, against South Range, but they've clicked. They've really done a great job. The coaches said that, and I'll tell you right now, when I walked off that field, I would have told them, remember this feeling. Remember how you got kicked by a horse. And Tim said it. And I've said that to many of my my teams. Get them next year. Remember how it felt. And believe me, two years in a row and you leave it short, Mm, that's that's a tough one, and 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 they're going to beat it up, and they should against a team that is thinking about. Well, you know, they ran a trick play to beat us last year. Are they hyper focused on not? Can a can a trick play get them again this year, based on the fact that they're so concerned about one, or are they so focused on being in the right spot that that can't beat them this year? Because it's going to be one or the other. Well, uh, here's my opinion on what happened at that state championship final. <laughs> Kick it out of bounds or go for it on fourth down, run the clock, try to get the first down. You're going to be um, you're 60 yards plus away in a championship game. I mean, why not go for it? So you punt it, and the kid runs it back to whatever. Yeah, I think it was, it was a 30-yard line, whatever. It made me sick because – 
Been there with a Cheney team. What? Just one mistake. One stupid thing could cost you your whole year, and that's what happened. Guys, Division 7, Region 25. Uh, and Southern Local is the 7. They are playing a very good team in this region in Norwalk, St. Paul, who, you know, that's that type of program that's been there and done that repeatedly. Yeah, and it's, you know, I you, I got to go with always the favorite in a sense. A team that, a school that's traditionally been there year in and year out. They, they prepare for these type of games. They're there's an expectation of performance and that is going to be really key when you are a team that is traditionally a state power that's you there's a certain aura about them they know what they're to expect each and every week i i don't think they uh, to be honest with you the southern you got some athletes but i don't think they have the full team strength to go and beat uh, st paul i just don't think they it's do. going to be difficult yeah I do. The other half of that, the winner of that game matches up with the winner of uh, Cuyahoga Heights and uh, Warren John F. Kennedy. The Cuyahoga Heights Redskins have had an interesting year this year, but the biggest thing I look at is they are one of the few teams they have three losses on the year and so they're they're kind of they're they're difficult to figure out. They lost to Independence who's 9 and 2 by 2 points. But then the other, you know, two of the other three teams they played with winning records, they lost to Lutheran West and they lost to Cardinal back-to-back weeks before bouncing back and beating a a one-win Wycliffe team. So I look at this matchup and I, I know JFK lost a lot to graduation, but they are in a prime position, I think, to make a run to a regional final against you know somebody like a Dalton or, or like a, a Lucas, uh, should they be able to get there? Because this could be another one of those comfortable wins for the Eagles. I'll tell you what, that, that Dalton and that Lucas team, they're tough. Uh, that's when they get, if they get past, I would say when, if they get past uh, Cuyahoga Heights, they're going to, they're going to now run into some problems because it's just going to, now, you know, you got St. Paul, Dalton, Lucas, these are all nine and one and think of where they're playing. Um, so I, I it's going to be tough for Kennedy to get in. I, I really do like them. They've always done a good job. Coach, new coach a couple years ago took over and he's done an outstanding job, but I just don't know if they have enough power to beat those top two teams. Yeah, I, I, that's going to be interesting to see after this week how they perform because I do expect them to win this week. They just they, they know how to close out ball games in the past, and I expect them to be able to do that against Cuyahoga Heights. 15 teams remaining as we go into round two coming up on a Friday night. When we come back after our final break, we'll ask the guys a simple question. And of course, there's a lot of local, local matchups of the 15 schools playing this weekend. How many will still be playing in round three? That is the question we will ask after we come back for our final break here on By All Means. Back here on By All Means, successfully pushing all the right buttons this time. Guys, there are 15 teams left in our area. We are, of course, including we are including Garrettsville Garfield in that conversation. How many will we have when we reconvene in a week? Tim, go first. Eight. Coach? Seven. I have eight as well. 
So we will, uh, we'll, we'll see. Uh, you, you have JFK losing, I'm assuming. Is that the one difference? Yeah, I, I, well... Wait a minute. Do you have JFK no, losing I to have, Cuyahoga Heights? Oh, no. Then it's eight. I apologize. Okay. It is eight. So we're actually on the same page for something? Yeah. Yeah. It's scary, hasn't it? And we will see that we'll probably we'll have, like, I don't know, 12 or we'll have three. We'll go one opposite way or the other. Hey, don't forget, uh, Coach and I, on a Friday night, 640 here on Western Reserve Radio and on Sports Radio 1240, 8-3 and Poland, 11-0 West Branch. Then on Saturday at 6.40, it is 8-3 Creston Norway and 10-1 and Springfield. As our high school football playoff coverage continues, uh, we will reconvene in another week to see who all the teams that we have left playing high school football in the Valley. Don't forget, by all means, it's presented by our friends at Mill Creek Golf Course. Visit MillCreekMetroParks.org. For more information, of course, you can find the show available in podcast form. Search for By All Means on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, and many of your favorite places to listen to podcasts. Or find it on my social media on Twitter at Mark underscore means. That's M-A-R-C underscore M-E-A-N-S. We will talk to you next week for another edition of By All Means presented by Mill Creek Golf Course here on Western Reserve Radio.